welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. This is episode 42 and it's with Ginny Whitelaw and we're going to explore a really cool topic today. We're going to explore resonance and let me see if I can say why I think resonance is so important because if we are to broaden the field of information that we can include in our coaching to make it truly transformational then we've got to kind of expand out of the you know purely two talking heads kind of coaching and I know all of you listening already do that but if we can begin to work on this level of resonance you know this level of energy then I think it's very potent uh, because it's very hmm. But because it's a gateway into deeper and deeper self-awareness and embodiment and a way that we can begin to live really on the edge of emergence. And that's where I think our actions are most spontaneous and fresh and imbued with a kind of dynamism. So... We're going to talk about resonance, how it's the one principle that underlies all change, according to Ginny, and how it can support us to manifest our dreams and deepest visions. We'll talk about how we can work with it as coaches and the kind of tools that activate resonance. Ginny is an executive coach. She's the founder of the Institute for Zen Leadership, the author of four books, including The Zen Leader. She's a former scientist at NASA, a PhD in biophysics, and a Zen master in Rinzai. So I think that's just an incredible kind of melting pot of influences and perspectives that she brings into this conversation. As usual, if you want to share this podcast, I'd be grateful you can do that on the podcast page, coachesrising.com forward slash podcast. Click the share button on the individual podcast pages there. Leave a review or just subscribe if you're not subscribed. So... All right, let's dive in. All right, Jenny, so good to speak with you today. How's things with you? Oh, they're, they're going well. They're going well. It's been a summer of enormous creativity so and, and the busyness that goes with it, but I, I'm very grateful. Yeah, I'm excited to speak with you today. You reached out because you're writing a new book and, uh, you know, it's in the, in the writing phase right now and, and I looked at the the idea for it, the, the theme, and I, I was then even more excited. So we're going to talk about resonance today. And so, um, but just before we dive in, just give me a sense of what you're up to. You're, you're like publishing, you're working with Publishizer on this. What's the strategy for it? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's funny how this emerged because uh, it, it's not like I needed something else to do. I mean, like you and like so many people listening, I was busy before. And yet the idea for this book just bit me. You know, it really got me this spring. And for a while, even I kind of, you know, pushed it off, pushed it off, thinking, oh, I really don't, I don't have time. I don't have time. But it wouldn't go away. And as soon as I just mentally committed I'm a commitment, you know, as we say in Coaches Rising, I am a commitment to make this happen. As soon as I did that, it started, you know, it, things started snapping into place. And one of the things that happened, I mean, within a week, is I got a message from Trey Wee at Publishizer. And I wasn't familiar with the Publishizer platform, but it's a kind of Kickstarter for books. And 
And he said, do you have a project in the works? Something you might pitch on our, our platform because, you know, we're looking for projects, especially in the mind, body, spirit space, you know, and, and uh, we see you've, you've, you've written in this before and you're running this institute for Zen leadership, you know, do you have something? And I said, well, now that you mention it, <laughs> I have, I am working on a book called Resonate. And it would be perfect for your platform because your platform would be so well designed for it to catch resonance and to see how it's resonating with people. You know, crowdsourcing is really a great example of resonance and how we make it amplify a signal through many people or going viral, as it were. Mm. So it, feel, it felt like a perfect fit. And the, uh, so we've launched a pre-order campaign for the book because the book is only about half done right now, about half written. Um, and it will be finished by the end of the year. But um, we, the way the pre-order campaign works is that it's launched in the month of August. Um, where we want to collect at least a thousand pre-orders. And through that, then Publishizer becomes not only a platform, but also, if you will, a literary agent representing it to more than 150 publishers. And in that process, it will almost certainly find the best landing to reach the most people. So that's what this month is about and why I particularly value the chance to talk about Resonate this month, because this is a critical month where we kind of make it or break it in terms of getting the word out on Resonate and how it can change people's lives, how it can help people make the difference that is theirs to make. Well, let's talk about what you mean by resonance. Just some of the things you said on your on your uh, page about it was like, it's the principle that lets you live your most significant life. And it's the one principle underlying all change. So um, what do you mean by resonance? Let's start with that broad question and then zoom into, you know, how do we develop it and stuff later? But what do you mean by resonance? Yeah, resonance means to vibrate with. It means it, it literally to vibrate with. And I say, I speak as a physicist in this, which is my background, that it is the principle of all change because it's how energy transfers. It's how energy moves from one person to another, from one system to another. And it, it is, it, so, you know, examples of resonance are, uh, we see at all different scales, um, even in the smallest scale, if you, if you look at like particle physics, um, the very process of the very conditions out of which energy turns to matter is an act of resonance, that there's certain conditions in which energy emerges as form. You look at much bigger scale, um, the, uh, you know, an example that you, you'll see me use on, a, on the video that's on the publisher site is just ringing a bell. Um, a bell is an example of resonance where, you know, if you just blow on a bell, it's not going to do very much. But if you strike it, you know, it, it creates an amplified wave through its circular shape. And through that amplification, it's actually able to resonate a signal. Resonance is also the principle of how you and I are communicating right now or how people who are listening to this podcast hear these words. What, what we know from neuroscience is that the human nervous system resonates with one another in, in, in good communication. This phrase we have in English of getting on the same wavelength is actually literal because the way human beings connect with one another is we sort of in, make internal maps of each other. 
And in that process, we get a feel, a felt sense of where other people are, where they're coming from, their vibratory patterns. And we match those things in a way that helps build resonance. Um, those are s- several examples from the small to the macro. But what, um, what I've been struck by, and now that I'm writing about Resonate, people are sending me stories, like there's a great story on National Public Radio this week about how every empty vessel has a natural resonance frequency. So an artist in New York has made a whole display out of putting tiny amplifiers inside vessels, including, you know, pots from Mesopotamia, and they have a natural vibrational frequency. The nature of form is that it resonates. It has certain vibrational frequencies where it can accept energy and do something with it. And because that's how all change happens at every level, from the tiniest to the most macro social change, this principle is at work the transfer of energy that can be relayed or even in the right conditions amplified to a tipping point that allows a whole new state to occur. Mm, Beautiful. How did you catch on to this idea? You know, like I'm just curious where it emerged from for you, you know, or where do you (laughs) resonate with it? Why did I resonate with it? Because actually it is an idea that grabbed me. I resonated with it. And I feel it's in the zeitgeist. You know, it's, it's in, and that's one of the reasons I really want to bring this to people now, because this isn't just Ginny's idea. There's something going on in our times. I mean, we feel a kind of a brokenness in so much that's happening right now. And the, the actual circumstances that generated this idea was actually a talk that Gordon Green Roshi gave at our Zen Leader 2 program in the winter. We were having a bunch of leaders together and he came in and talked about climate change. And he said, we are facing you know, cataclysmic changes on this earth that we still are not responding to in a coherent way. We have to change how change happens. And that line just struck me because I said, change how change happens. Because the physicist in me knew it always happens through resonance. But the, (laughs) the, um, and then the Zen teacher in me knew we have something very special to offer because we can not only treat resonance as a theory or as an out there phenomenon, like Malcolm Gladwell did a great job in the tipping point of describing how big social change happens, but it was out there. We can also bring it in here in the human body and look at us as resonant instruments because we are. We are a musical instrument that resonates, and the way we resonate is how we transfer energy to the world. So all of this started cooking in me after listening to Gordon talk. How do we change how change happens? I thought, we have to change the conditions for resonance. And the way we start, the way you start, the way anyone listening to this starts is inside out. It starts with how I resonate. Just as Gordon was really saying to us around climate change, we have to own the problem personally. I am this problem. I am climate change. I am, I am the need to fix this. And how we start to work that in our own habits and actions, then we feel into where am I stuck around this? Where do I have resistance? Where is it difficult for me? And that starts to create shifts that help us see how to resonate that signal more broadly. So 
his idea, his words caught on with other people in this group, and in, and in particular, a, w- a wonderful woman, Glennis Ringer, who is the CEO of Immersion Labs, she said, "We, you know, I really have to do something with this because I can see where Zen and Zen leadership have something very special to offer, and we need to act on this while we can. And it's not just climate change. Climate change triggers so many other big social changes. It's a huge social justice change. You know, right now there's a mass migration away from the equator. It's going to create huge disruption. Who's going to be hurt? It's going to be the 99% of the people who can't escape its effects. And already we see our systems burdened. In the United States, our healthcare systems, our political systems burdened by just terrible polarization and access issues and um, dysfunction that seems intractable. So how do we make progress? How do we gain traction on these kind of issues? That's a, that again is a question for resonance. And, and what I'm convinced of is it comes from how we ourselves can enter a more resonating state where we can function one with what is going on and convert it into actions that help this world. Mm. So uh, beautifully spoken. And I want to know about how we can do just that. But could you say more on a personal level, what takes us out of our own sense of kind of resonance or sure. uh, yeah, effective resonance? Yeah. yeah, no, it's Joel, it's a great question. Um, what takes us out of it is, is that we get lost in, in what we sometimes call mental diarrhea. <laughs> we get lost in our thoughts and in all the tension and ways we get in our own way. And we don't pay attention to what's going on. We don't operate, I'd say, according to the way. You know, what I mean by the way, uh, there's a very natural way to be in the world. Um, As natural as you strike a tuning fork and it vibrates. And not only does a tuning fork vibrate, but every other tuning fork that matches that tuning fork starts vibrating. That's resonance. That very natural way that we can just vibrate with the energies around us and the people around us and contribute our true value is available to every human being. But as Lao Tzu observed, the way is very simple and clear, but people love the byways. You know, they love all the detours. Why do we love the detours? Because we get stuck. We get stuck in First, having grown up through a life where we start pretty primitive, you know, we start as one cell, but then we get, as we grow up and we first develop an ego around the age of two, um, you know, that's when we first get an ego boundary and instantly we've got the no and the mine, you know, I think we've talked about this before, you know, what happens when we get an ego boundary. And now we're growing up through a young childhood where all the ways we're making sense of the world and trying to get through our, you know, our family's trauma and our inherited nuttiness or whatever, you know, all of that is getting lodged in this body. And it's in particular getting lodged in the lower body because that's the part that is developing when we're young. We develop the nervous system from the bottom up. And so when we're young, I mean, little kids, we, anything that's getting, you know, all the ways that we try to stuff tension or, you know, one of my childhood habits, there was a lot of conflict in my household growing up. And I used to like walk on eggshells. I mean, like, like almost tiptoe around the house to avoid triggering a very volatile uh, mother as the case was. And, and, um, 
the, you know, and I don't mean to put this on my mother. She was a wonderful woman. She had her issues too. And she could have told her story from her childhood and her grandmother could have told an even worse and more violent story from her childhood. So this isn't about blaming our parents or anything like that. It's the human condition. We grow up in these settings that we don't control as little kids and and they end up creating habits deeply lodged in the body. And then those habits emerge through life as condition tendencies. I mean, this is the very thing that you work on so brilliantly in your Coaches Rising programs, in the POET program. They emerge as condition tendencies, thought patterns, thought loops. As soon as thought starts triggering emotion, we've now poured emotion through our, literally our bloodstream. So now we've started giving emotions greater endurance that then send signals back to our thoughts that say, hey, send me more thoughts that agree with this lousy feeling, if it happens to be a lousy emotion. In these ways, Joel, we keep getting ourselves stuck. And so we're not paying attention to the bigger picture. We're not paying attention to this human being in front of me. We're not paying attention through our senses. We get lost in thoughts and thought loops and emotions and past trauma and fears. Somebody looks at us the wrong way and we take offense and we get outraged and this and that. All these things go on for us. Those are all examples of how we pull ourselves out of, I want to say, natural vibration with the way things are emerging in this moment. And we get stuck in the past. We get stuck in our histories. We get stuck in past fears. Um, We especially get stuck when the body has lodged a memory that the mind or the brain can no longer access, which happens in trauma. Mm. And then it becomes a therapeutic issue because we can't make sense of our experience anymore. The body knows one thing, the brain isn't agreeing with it, and we have our own civil war going. All of those things create problems in our resonance. It's as if every one of those becomes another slice or stuffing or cut or break in the musical instrument that we are. And we're no longer ringing our, our true note. We're no longer as clear as a bell. Mm. I, I find it a beautiful way to think about, you know, the, the, what you've just described, the conditioning that we, that we acquire over our lifetime, the trauma and how that you know, in some way might begin to kind of clog up our, our frequency or, you know, cover it over. Um, and, and so I'm curious, for you, how do you then begin to, you know, clean up your frequency, the, the resonance that you have? Like, and, and, and particularly, I'm curious, like, what in your thinking, thinking about it in this way as resonance opens up in terms of how we can begin to, you know, evolve and and, um, find our signature. Oh, I love how you put that because it it really, what really evolved was it's beyond thinking. You can't think your way there. And why can't you think your way there? Because thought is an energetic signal of a certain frequency. I'm just talking physics here. Thought is an energetic signal of a certain frequency, but it doesn't last long enough to change the slower changing body and mind. You know, the slower changing, that's again, that's why when emotion pours through our system and our blood is boiling or we're triggered, our thoughts change because that becomes a more powerful dominant signal. 
Likewise, if we have deeply embedded habits and trauma in our psoas muscles and all those things, you know, that body workers uncover when they do therapeutic interventions, if we've got deep lower body tension, um, it's going to affect our thought loops. Nine times as much communication is going up as is coming down. And that, so we can't think our way to greater resonance. What we have to do is practice our way to resonance. But it's very clear, it's very clear how we can do that. And, that, um, and that's why I've organized the book the way it is, because the first part of the book kind of lays this out, what you and I have been talking about, just how resonance works and why it's everywhere and why it's in us too, uh, and how the mind-body developing from the base is going to bring us to our adulthood with probably a somewhat broken condition. You're not, not completely broken, but not optimized. And then what's the work to do? The second part of the book really says, Here's how you can become a more resonant being. And it first has to do with how you integrate the hara, the heart, the head, how you integrate these centers, how you integrate using the four energy patterns of Phoebe that we've talked about in, in the poet course, how you integrate by being able to resolve two sides, the dualistic world we live in, and how you integrate using one breath how you can be one with breath in what you do. So one breath, two sides, three centers, four energy patterns becomes a fundamental Zen toolkit, if you will, that people can use. And I build exercises around each of those tiers so that people can start to use breath, resolution of two sides, integration of three centers, and then using the, the uh, vibration of sound itself, which is one of the tools that we use in Zen training, but applies well beyond Zen, you can use the physical vibration of sound in particular to tune the musical instrument that you are. So a whole chapter is around tuning that instrument using the vibratory sound of, of different vowels that vibrate in different parts of the body and how you can use that, those subtle vibrations to tease out tension. How you in particular can open up the junctions between hara, heart and head so that you can get the energy to flow up and down through your whole system clearly. Uh, those are practices, and those are the practices that we show in, in Resonate. And then the third part of the book goes into now how you, all these wonderful ways you can use your more resonant self to live that more significant life and make the difference you want, whether it's in your relationships, in your work, and the goals and dreams you're trying to realize, whether it's on a team, or whether you're a change agent trying to work on large-scale climate change and social justice and technological dislocation and broken healthcare systems and the other things that, that we face today. So the applications of the more resonant itself then follow once you can tune this instrument i'd love to kind of zoom in on because you just shared so much there you know uh and and i'd love to zoom in on how you know someone listening might be able to catch on and of course reading the book will give a lot more information but can actually play with this and apply what you're talking about so uh you know you talked about uh, one breath and the phoebe patterns could you give, walk us through like an example of like part of that so we can get a sense of what you mean by that 
Sure. Why not? Um, so and I'm realizing that some people will be watching this and they can see what I'm doing and some people are only listening to this. So I'll try to describe it well as well. But no matter whether you're watching or just listening, what I invite you to do is just let out a really long, slow exhale. So to just let it drop down as if gravity itself were just kind of like it was on a gravity feed and it's just getting pulled down. And I want you to just get, feel into what a long, slow exhale does and then take in another breath and let it be again, long, slow exhale. And I invite you wherever and however you're sitting, sit up straight enough so that you can feel that breath just go right down through your body. First, it's in your head, you know, where your nose is, but then goes right down, draining through your heart, right down into your hara, the lower abdomen, the hara. And take in a third breath that's nice and slow, and then let it out very slowly. Now, what are we doing? Even in this simple breathing, we're changing our frequency. You might feel it in yourself, but we're going from whatever frequency we were just at to a slower breath. Breath is one of the fundamental frequencies in the human body. And what we know about frequencies and wavelengths is that big waves can hold little waves. <laughs> That's kind of the principle. And so when you get a big, slow breath wave going, it can start to entrain the whole body. What we know from some wonderful work at the HeartMath Institute is that they, they haven't looked at how to breathing so much. Keep breathing slowly as you listen to my voice. And I'm, I'm going to take my own voice down a bit just so we can start to match frequencies a little more at a slightly slower level. But what the HeartMath people who have been able to show is when the brain and the heart come into coherence, we get a much more amplified signal meaning our whole electromagnetic field is stronger, but also the heart and the brain signals add up. In other words, they start to synchronize. Now, the, the heart, of course, is, is not going as fast as the brain, but it's, but it's hitting every so often. In other words, there's a harmony, in a sense, going on. So when the breath can come in under that, we start to get everything supported and start to come into a signal. So when people come through Zen leadership training, they'll often on the other side of it, they will often say to me, I feel more whole. Everything I do is more whole. And what they're getting at is this sense of synchrony, that I'm more connected in myself and I'm connected to what I do. It's that feeling of connection, of settling in, rather than being apart from. So that's one way we start to get a feel for as we slow things down, we start to drop in to a bigger, slower frequency. Now, this is just the starting point. You, the, um, the, you'll see guidance in the book around what I call the six-point check. So anytime you're sitting or driving, how you can check in, are my big toes connected to the earth? Are my knees soft? Am I my weight naturally into my hara, nice and relaxed? Is my heart area empty and open? Are my eyes 180 degrees? And here's where we can also tie into the Phoebe patterns. Because what I invite you to do even now is, starting with your thumbs near your ears, bring your hands out to your side of your head and see your hands in peripheral vision. This is what we mean by 180 degree vision. 
this 180 degree vision, and then just let the little black pupil part of your eye drop down a little bit. This helps the rate of thought just slow down. And what you're and feel as if you are seeing through your ears. That's the the feeling. We say 180 degree vision. What is this doing? It's starting to open us into what we call uh, the visionary pattern. And the visionary pattern we know is like a big antenna. It's very sensitive. In the terms of the four energy patterns, it's the most open of the four patterns. So it's most sensitive to the zeitgeist, the energies around us, the future that wants to unfold through us. It's most sensitive to the unmet needs of a customer, which is why we think of leaders who sense out those needs as visionary leaders. It's the kind of pattern that senses patterns in the future. And it's like they, it picks up on frequencies. And truthfully, you know, we now know even in the neuroscience that the brain is capable of picking up frequencies that are not just registered in our eyes. We have a little, you know, pineal gland, which um, has little crystals in it, literally, that are sensitive to higher frequency vibrations than in the visible light range. We have an antenna, in other words, for a capacity to sense things that isn't exactly in conscious awareness, but is still available to us. So in the visionary bigness, we're activating that kind of bigness. Now, if all we do is imagine and vision and get sensitive that's only part of the equation. We might. What happens, though, is what we pick up on, we start vibrating with. In other words, resonance is already happening. It's just physics. If we sense something, it means that energetic signal has passed into our body and started to vibrate something. We think of sound as vibrating our eardrums, but it truly it vibrates through our entire body cavity. Every vowel sound vibrates through our cavity, which is one of the things we pick up on in resonate. Consonant sounds are more up in the head, but the vowel sounds go deep into the body cavities. Um, and if you want to play with this a little bit, just try this out for a moment, even where you are sitting. If you intone the sound of O, you might feel that's a low sound. And that sound is actually vibrating down in the hara. It may be hard for you to feel that, but contrast it with this sound. Now intone the sound of A and feel, feel into this sternum area. Intone the sound of A. A. You can, you can feel the vibration. Intone the sound of E as you gently hold your throat. E. So what we can feel is these different vowels have an epicenter of vibration that keeps moving up the body as we go from O, U, A, A, E. Then mm, mm, we start hitting consonant sounds up in the head. And I credit here Anadia Judith for her all her work and really exploring this with the, the chakra system because it's, it's very useful in terms of working with these sounds to open up those centers that can get stuck. Um, 
So if we've got our visionary bigness, we're seeing 180 degrees and we're starting to vibrate with something, what do we do with that signal? Well, if it's our creative expression, if it's something for Joel to work with or for Ginny to work with or for you who are listening to this podcast to work with, it has to descend, meaning what in yoga is called the manifesting current, the current that comes down from the seventh chakra to the lower body or in the energy pattern sense, we'd say from the visionary bigness down to its friends, the organizer, the collaborator, and the driver, which are centered in the third, second, and first chakras respectively. It comes down in order to activate us. And so we call that the manifesting current. It turns ideas into action into collaborating with people and getting them moving with us because we got on the same wavelength with them with this idea and we showed them why this is the way. This is the next great thing to happen. And we showed them how we could work together on a plan and what, was, what we were going to do and who was going to do what. The organizer did its piece and here comes the driver because it was able to push it across, be determined. Get it done with a sense of urgency. It was able to change how change happens, to use Gordon's phrase. So from the bigness of our visionary antenna to the intense focus of the driver, we are literally concentrating energy through our physical body. And in that concentration, we're turning ideas into action. That, to me, is, is the, the key to how we live our most significant life. But that, again, is just one side of it. That's the descending manifesting current. The other current, what in yoga is called the liberating current, is what frees us up. It's the rising current from the first chakra through the top of the head that frees up all that stuck junk in our lower body that came from our, our childhood and our history and our trauma and our this and our that. All it's, so we're both freeing ourselves up and able to resonate or sense what's ready to happen through us at the same time. Um, so the, uh, and again, it's pure physics. Um, and it ties so much together with what we know from both the neuroscience when we look at these phenomena, but also the interior practices from yoga and, and um, Zen and Tai Chi and others of how we make these energy flows work for us. Well, congr- that was fantastic. There was, <laughs> there was such a beautiful kind of, um, you know, I, I just felt so much uh, transmission uh, in what you were sharing there, you know, and so many things, beautiful things shared. I'm, I'm curious, how would you work with somebody in this way over time? You know, a lot of people listening are coaches. Um, how would you, you know, with a client, work with them over time with this kind of process? You know, is it something you would do with them each session or would you, you know, perhaps ask them to share what their leadership topic is? And then uh, from there, um, you know, like work with specific kind of frequencies that might be suitable. You know, is it is it is there a universal approach or is it very specific to each person? The, the, yeah. <laughs> Again, great question, Joel. It has to be specific to each person. Why? Because resonance is specific. You are a different bell than I am. And we are each our own kind of tuning fork, both in terms of what we have to liberate because we have a different past 
and in terms of what we will naturally vibrate with because we have a different purpose. We have, we, we have to find both. And that, um, so what I do working with, with clients in a coaching situation, you know, again, we come, the energy patterns are probably the most accessible here because they're so easy to understand and measure. Uh, people can take the Phoebe, they can get a read about which patterns they habitually use. And what they see is if there's a pattern they don't have access to, it becomes a dead zone in their resonance because it means something isn't going to come through. Either they'll never get the idea if they don't have visionary, they won't be able to engage people on it if they don't use or collaborate the right way. They won't systematize it and be able to step it out and give it form if they don't have enough organizer, and they won't push it across the finish line or, or knock down the barriers in the way or attend to it with a sense of urgency or protect it from other incursions if they don't have enough driver. So something, you know, it, it, so that is so understanding, again, as you know, it, in coaching, we always want to start where our client is. But even that process, start where the client is, even that is resonance because we have to feel them. And to feel them, you know, and and coaches tend to be wonderful listeners. Listening is the way we get on the same wavelength with people. We drop into a slower, quieter state. It's one of the things coaching schools often teach. Get it quiet, still down your breathing a little bit, listen with every pore in your skin. That's how, and then pick up the signal. What we know from the neuroscience, again, is that when, when we get into that state, we're subtly mimicking the other person. It's so subtle that we don't see it. You know, it, sometimes we see it like we know smiles are contagious. We mimic smiles and stuff like that. But even in a much more subtle way, we're watching for little cues. We're putting them in our body. We're making a map. And in that map, we're getting a feel for how is this person moving, working, da 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 So coaches start there. You have to get on the same wavelength. But I don't think that's news to many coaches. We know that. Now, once I'm on the same wavelength, how do I move them to the wavelength they need to be on? That is the coaching move. <laughs> you know, that's where we're and, – and, again, the, the patterns can represent a good frequency shift. Do I need the intensity of the driver or the bigness of the visionary? Uh, and, you know, a rule of thumb I tell people is if you get confused, go big. <laughs> you, go big. You, you know, if you know what you're doing, focus. <laughs> but if you get confused, you better start going big, which means open up the antenna panels, go visionary, go collaborator, get connected to people and to the conditions and sense what's ready to happen. Um, mm-hmm. There are also, you know, coaches who are listening and who are skilled yoga therapists. And I I know some of them who can look at a body and see your fourth chakra is blocked. You know, your second chakra is screwed up. There are body workers who can work on a body and say, you've got a blockage at the solar plexus. So when people have special skills and they they can engage in those ways to give people practices to work on those things, that's even, that's even stronger. You know, that's even more ways you can work with people. Um, the, um, but, but not everyone is, you know, a yoga therapist, you know, not, it's not everyone has, has that capacity. What I can, what I'm starting to work with people on more is use vibrations of sound of, you know, because everyone can make sound. And one of the things we see in our Zen leadership programs 
when we work with sound is how, how much it opens people up. Sometimes we just have people like scream at the top of their lungs. You know, we, we don't, they're not just going, ah, but they're doing martial art yells. And you, if you've ever heard a martial arts class, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, hey, toe, you know, the, these loud ki sounds that come out to accentuate and put power into a sharp move. Well, we do that in Zen leadership programs. You can even hear as I talk about it, how my energy comes up. Well, a lot of people can't make a much of a sound. You know, they, they, you know, their instructions are bring it out full volume and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, where's your yeah? Get your yeah on. Yeah. You know, and, and what they, they can't get it past their throat. They can't get it past their lungs. So, um, and, and often they'll come up to me with all kinds of excuses, like, well, I don't think it's polite to yell, say loud things. You know, I said, what if this were an emergency and it was your voice that would save people? Could you do it? Well, you don't train for an emergency in an emergency. You train now, yeah. <laughs> you know, train right now. But even then, sometimes they can't do it. But fortunately, a lot of them get very curious, you know, like, why am I not able to bring out my full voice? Yeah. And especially, I've got to say women, especially women. You know, men are often shocked that their voices aren't as strong as they thought they would be. But women often have a very deep story around this and, and um, where their voice wasn't heard, they were cut off, they were criticized, they were, you know, and Veronica Ruckert does some wonderful work in her outspoken book about how women are interrupted so many more times than men and shut down so many more times than men and how women don't get much of a speaking part and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so there's a huge cultural thing going on here too. But working with sound is another great way to help our clients open up and get rid of constrictions. And I'll tell you, the biggest constrictions, the most common constrictions are in the junctions between these centers. It's the throat and it's the solar plexus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we, we have to wrap up in um, just a minute or so because I uh, got a message saying that there's a, there's a program starting, a class starting in, oh. in a few minutes. So, uh, but, but yeah, I just want to point to how important what you're pointing to in this whole conversation is, you know, that, that as coaches, if we want to take transformation deeper, if we want to create a real transformation, we need to be working on not just this embodied level that you're talking about, but, you know, opening our, our kind of perceptive capacities to be yes. able to, to work with just beyond that purely rational cognitive realm, which we still include, but to be able to sense, you know, and, and feel into what is here, what is happening now. Uh, because I think for me, you know, you said like a lot of coaches know this, but I think it is one of the emerging edges of coaching, which is, you know, people refining their perceptive capacities to be able to sense and feel what is here. You know, that it isn't just some new age idea that, that no, we can actually really become uh, refined and, and, and sense very subtle realms that then inform the, the, the kind of moves we make with our clients. And Absolutely. it's essential, really. You know, I think it's, it's becoming essential. It is essential. And, it, it, and, and if we sense something, we should know we're vibrating with it. And how do I use that vibration to inform my next coaching move? You yeah. know, it's essential. Um, 
Well, I, I super appreciate this chance to talk with you about Resonate, Joel. It's, it's, it's been good fun. And, and I hope that a lot of people find this book and in particular find it this month in our Resonate pre-order yeah. campaign. Well, just, you know, where can we find out more about it? Or is there, is there a call to action you want to share with people listening? There is indeed a call to action, and it's to go to publishizer.com. Um, and the, uh, I can put that in the, in the chat, publishizer.com slash resonate. And the, um, they'll see the synopsis of the book. They'll see a little video of me explaining it. And to pre-order it, pre-order it this month when it's on its pre-order campaign, because that will only last until August 30th. And then... Um, the, um, if, uh, if you have friends or colleagues or clients or teams that could also be benefiting from this, share it with them too. That's the only way truthfully we'll hit our thousand target because, you know, it, 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 the, uh, and that's the target we need to reach for Publishizer to really represent this, this book to, to publishers. So we're really looking for a lot of widespread support. So please, if this resonates with you, don't keep it a secret. Amplify the signal because that's how it works. Uh, publishizer.com slash resonate. All right. Thanks, Ginny. I will see you next time, and until then, be well.